Welcome to a special interview episode of the Perfect Movies Soundtrack, where Matt and I talk to director Jeremiah Zagar about his great new Netflix film, Hustle, starring Adam Sandler, and to the man behind the music in the film, Dan Deacon. We're really excited for you to hear it. We're going to get into some basketball, we're going to get into some Sandler, we're going to talk about the movie, obviously, and we're going to learn a lot about how music gets made for a movie, and how a movie's made for the music as well. And, of course, don't fret all you Heather stands. A bit later in the episode, we're going to catch up with her as we each name our favorite sports movie, Needle Drops. Trust me, it's a very funny segment. You will not want to miss it. So I'm very excited to have some amazing guests for this episode, the brilliant director, Jeremiah Zagar. And the innovative recording artist, performer, and music composer, Dan Deacon, who are here to talk about their new movie and the soundtrack for Hustle, now out on Netflix. Big time out on Netflix. It's like number one, right? Number one, baby. (laughs) And did you see how I got brilliant and you got innovative? It was nice. It was really nice. We can switch. We'll switch those in the edit. <laughs> oh no! I think it was. It was perfect. It sounded great. It sounded great. And uh, the movie stars uh, Adam Sandler, yeah, Robert Duvall, which blows my mind. He's amazing. Queen Latifah, Ben Foster, and um, the NBA player Juancho Hernan Gomez. And if you're a super NBA nerd, there are so many cameos in this. From Boban to uh, Anthony Edwards plays an amazing villain. And like, I feel like there's literally a hundred NBA adjacent people in this. Um, and maybe that's because it was also produced by LeBron James. They all had to meet, they all had to meet Dan in order for him to do the score. We just had them, we had them do interviews with Dan. <laughs> they do a little one-on-one, play Dan one-on-one. And he's like, all right, this guy's good to yeah. go. Well, I used to play ball in college. So I just wanted to make sure they were really going to be up to the par <laughs> we needed for the film. So. Right. Okay, so I'm here. I'm Matt Lombardi, and I'm here with my host, uh, Joshua Weber. Our third host, Heather, scheduling conflict, couldn't be here with us. So, Heather, if you're listening, you're fired, and we're replacing you with Megan McCain. I don't know. That's that's the first one I thought. <laughs> no, but we're going to do a segment with her later anyway about sports movie needle drops. All right, so this is... Not Megan. Not Megan McCain. Not, Ma- not Megan McCain. Why did I say her? All right, so this is really exciting because Jeremiah is actually an old friend who I've known for years, and we've talked about movies. We've worked together on stuff. And Dan, we don't know each other, but I knew who you were for quite a while now. And I was thinking about this, and... I remember the first time I knew who you were, I was watching, do you remember New York Noise? It was like a local New York City, um, like indie rock show on like local cable access New York. It's called New York Noise. It sounds sounds pretty familiar. And they had the video for Big, 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 Big on. It was like 2007 probably. And I remember thinking this song rules and this guy is insane. And I just immediately was like, this is cool. I love it. And then my brother, who's a really big fan, he's like, oh, I saw him at the Whitney, the old Whitney before the new one. And then I have to ask you if you remember this show. He's like, I saw him play an empty swimming pool shaped like an airplane in rural New Jersey. It wasn't empty. Okay. <laughs> I like that. That's the clarification. <laughs> it was filled with both, with, with both water and humans. Yeah, that was, um, it was at an airport, like a small, like, it's probably like a, an airstrip for like, like farmers at some uh-huh. point. But then like, I don't know, all the land became more valuable than farmland. And now it's like some sort of weird airplane museum resort i don't really know but like i yeah that was like 2009 with deer hunter and no No, he didn't he left out deer hunter i'm gonna be like dude (laughs) (laughs) most people when they tell that story they're like oh dan deacon ruined that deer hunter show he's like he's like a big fan he's gonna love hearing this too he's a big fan of yours 
Um, that's awesome. All right. So before we get into the soundtrack stuff, we have to really figure out about the show in New Jersey. We really yeah, need to like, gotta, the, all, all the listeners, all the listeners want to know about this Jersey show. <laughs> now I can understand why you edit these episodes. Okay. I'll stop. Just, <laughs> just type in airplane pool dan deacon into youtube and so- something will come up we're just trying to get the algorithm we're really trying to milk the algorithm here <laughs> so before we get into the soundtrack and this music let's just can we, should we just set up the movie for people jeremiah you want to give us a quick rundown don't you guys get to play the uh trailer that's what everybody does they play the trailer yeah we do that but we're not going to make you listen to it <laughs> This is like a this is like a show trope. It's like tell us about the clipper about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah, you don't, you, don't you just I don't know. Uh, the the movie's about <laughs> the movie's about a basketball scout who finds an amazing basketball player in Spain and they fall in love. Platonic love, father son love. All right, that's good. Cut cut to the clip. You love this game. Woo! I mean, love it with your whole heart. Woo! Because if you don't, let's not even bother. Let's not open that door. They're just going to slam it right in our face. Look, I be riding through my old hood, but I'm in my new yes, whip. I love this game. I live this game. There's a thousand other guys waiting in the wings who are obsessed with this game. Obsession is going to be talent every time. You got all the talent in the world, but are you obsessed? Let's face it, it's you against you out there. Look at me! When you walk on that court... Look at me! You have to think I am the best guy out there. Hey! So let me ask you again. Do you love this game? Look at me! It feels like a sports classic sports movie, but it's elevated, you know, by your style of directing Dan's Dan's score. So I think people are clicking on it being like, cool, Adam Sandler sports movie. And then they're getting, and they're, just, like, they're really leaving with the Dan Deacon yeah. album, which like, do, do yeah. we get the vinyl? I, I, I called you the other way. It's like, is there vinyl? Can we get vinyl? It's, it's Ooh. in process. There's a lot of, um, I want the vinyl. Yeah, for sure. A vinyl would be so cool. Cause it's, it's, it's really fun. Great sports. Music. As Joshua said to me, this isn't some bullshit Rudy string <laughs> from the movie Rudy. And that was like very good point. It's not that like orchestral rising shit you've heard all the time. And it, it really, um, yeah, it kind of, it kind of reminded me of, um, in the sense of like elevating it beyond sort of your standard, um, um, that it reminded me in a way of what explosions in the sky did with Friday night lights, that it was like, mm-hmm. it just made it feel different in a way that both achieves the sports movie feels that you want, which is like, you know, excited in certain moments, you know, anticipating nervous, all of that stuff that you need to get from a score, but in a way that makes it more dynamic and more interesting and, and feel fresher and newer i enjoyed it a lot i actually found myself i was listening to it recently and um i had to run for a train i was in grand central station and i my train's leaving in like four minutes and if i miss (laughs) this one if i miss this one my next train's not coming for like two hours i'm not going to get home till three in the morning and i had the the uh the score on and i was running and i was like this is oh my god i am running so fast right now (laughs) it really felt like i was like nailing it it was like yeah this is great that is awesome (laughs) And then someone across the tracks is watching you just like stumble around with your bags and like trip up the stairs. Oh, I'm I'm sure it looked very different than it felt, but the music made it feel like I was lying.
since we're talking about the music, how'd you end up working together? I, I, are you like a fan, Jeremiah? And you're like, okay, I get this guy. I want to hear Dan describe it. I want to hear Dan tell the story. I tell the story a lot. Well, I got an email from Jeremy, a uh, longtime producer with Jeremiah. And he was like, are you interested in uh, scoring a feature that uh, Jeremiah's working on? I was like, sounds great. I was like, these names sound super familiar. <laughs> And so I go onto Google and I'm like, oh yeah, we the animals yeah. tight. This is awesome. Um, I'm super pumped. And I'm like, but I think they're familiar for another reason. So I go through my email and like 10 years prior, Jeremy had emailed and it was a re looking back. It was such a slick move. I think like one of my tracks forgot to get like approved for your previous fit the football film. It was a short Nate Caswell and I made. Yeah. What do you mean? You forgot to get approved. Because it wasn't like, there was no, like, can we use this song in the film? <laughs> I think we didn't ask you. We didn't ask you if we could use it. I think we gave you money, man. Oh, well, well that, that's where this, that's where the slick uh, ultra A-level producer move comes in. He sent an email being like, it's my honor to let you know we've used your song oh, in this great. film and it's out. <laughs> and me and my publisher were like, this is the weirdest email we've ever gotten in our lives. <laughs> like normally when someone forgets to use, to, forgets to like, Oh, we didn't clear yeah. a track. They're like, let's just hope they never find right. out. And, but Jeremy was like, Da, 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 it is my distinct project. <laughs> you know? I think he's going to take issue with this, but I love this as a story. This is great. <laughs> All your music, we stole your music, we put it in this Congratulations. Movie. <laughs> well, no, but you, can't, you, you were like, hey, the, the, the movie's out, it's doing well, we just wanted to let you know. And then the publisher and him got in touch and they were like, look, like you kind of have them over a barrel. And I was like, yeah, but like there's no, we don't, we're not looking for money we just want to make sure you know everything was fine everything worked out great um but because of the way like time worked in my head the story was then oh jeremiah reached out to me when he was like a high school student making his first short film and i had this like fairy tale <laughs> version of it in my head and then so i went back and i read that um which wasn't the case at all and i think we've had that conversation where i was like, hey, oh, yeah, I mean, was like i'm so glad i did your high school movie and i was like oh my i was like 30 and then I did <laughs> <laughs> what grade did you get well anyway anyway um yeah that was that was the the then but then you know and i had seen we the animals and i was like oh this is the you know i loved the way that i loved the score in it um i loved mm -hmm. the the use of music i loved how it wasn't wall to wall but it was still like a character and like really helped carry the emotional content not carry but like be another tool to help the film have this other like esoteric level of storytelling mm -hmm. and so we, this would have been like 2020 like early zoom like still like clumsy like half the conversation was talking about zoom <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> And then Jeremiah was like, yeah, I'm, we're making this Netflix Adam Sandler basketball movie. And you kept talking about that track that we used, the um, Slow With Horns. Yeah. And you were like, the, the frantic piano. Yeah. And emotional content of it. And like, not a typical sports movie score. But I also can do big, high energy. Like, most of my music is like. <laughs> so, like, I was psyched that you wanted to go towards the piano. And knowing the film was going to be not a typical sports movie because of your approach to storytelling, it was just like, yeah, this sounds awesome. Sounds like the perfect. And I love Adam Sandler's like serious 
pieces. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like sure. his, yeah. like when he's not trying to like slam in a million jokes a minute, like, right. like when I was younger, I loved those films, but I really appreciate his subtlety. Cause when he like, it's kind of like Val Kilmer, like when Val Kilmer is allowed to slip in a couple of jokes, he's like the funniest man in the world. Uh-huh. And I think Sandler's the same way, like can really hold a scene, beautiful, beautiful performer. And then when they make a joke, it's unbelievable. But if it's all jokes, it's a little like, okay. Yeah. Cause it really, it really lands. I know he's going to listen to this podcast. Now he's going gonna- <laughs> <laughs> to, you don't like my jokes. <laughs> I have a Sandler follow-up question and I, we're obviously going to talk mostly about the music and um, things, but uh, my friends would kill me if I didn't at least ask a little bit about Sandler. So based on what you're saying, Dan, there's, I think there's like this two poles of Sandler, right? There's the silly, wacky Sandler and then there's like the serious uh, punch drunk love, uncut gems come to mind. And I feel like they, they, they feel like very separate kinds of movies. And I feel like this movie does a really good job of kind of uniting those types of Sandler a bit. Whereas like Uncut Gems and Punch Drunk Love seem to like take him and make him like an almost an unreal character to in a real world. This is Sandler in the real world. Like I really believe his character. And I was just wondering like, I don't know, do, do you, is that something that you help do Jeremiah? Is that something he does on his own? Like it feels like a really nice place that he's landing in this movie. Um, I think he just knew what he was doing coming in. I mean, he's done it for so many years. I, 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 he knew the character. I didn't have to say much. All I would say was, you know, a little less, a little more. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I'd be like the score right here. Well, no, no, no. I, I didn't. <laughs> he's like, put on these headphones, dude, and just let it flow through you. He's an amazing actor. I mean, and I think I knew, you know, I know his work and, 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 I, and you could, you could hear his character in the script. When you read the script, you could hear Sandler was going to knock it out of the park and, you know, first day in, he knocked it out of the park. Even his name is perfect. Stanley Sugarman. Oh yeah. Like, that's a great good name. Sandler character name. It was Baron at first. And oh, when I sat and thought about the name for a long time, and I think we landed on Sugarman. I don't remember what, how we landed on Sugarman, but we, we it was Baron Von Sugarman, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you didn't keep that. That's it was the what's that Sugarman song I kept thinking of. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, we like Sugarman is such a Jewy sweet name. It's a great name. Yeah, it works. It works perfectly. Does he have anything to do with? Because aside from the score, there's also like pop songs and radio hits in it. Does he have anything to do with any picks or is he just like, yeah. pick some Philly music? No, some of the picks are his. Yeah. Oh, really? You know, the song he's singing in the car. I was going to, I was going to ask about that. Really one, yeah. Wanted to do. yeah. That two short song was something he really wanted to put in the, in the Oh, cool. And the freeway track at the end when he's walking through the the tunnel onto the court, that was like a it has to be this song. He was very obsessive about that, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh, that's cool. So this is some three-way input going on with like the music selections. Well, going back yeah. to what you were saying about the his style of comedy being somewhere in the middle of his two poles, I really like how generous he was in letting the rest of the cast, like he would set them up for the joke mm-hmm. and they would make it. Like so many of the other characters get the laughs because Adam is just so brilliant at comedic timing and like, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I Having yeah. watched so many versions of the edit, you could just see like so clearly like the comedic mind, the restraint, which I think yeah, is sometimes right. we don't get to see. Uh-huh. And in the, you know, in the 
the full-on comedy Happy Madison movies. Right. The restra- the re- removal of the restraint is their appeal. Yes. I, I mm-hmm. totally get it. And in like um, his more serious work, it can't be there. So having this middle ground and him knowing like, oh, I could make a joke here, but maybe it'd be better if like, you know, Queen Latifah got to make the joke. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah. it'd be better if Wancho made the joke. Like it really, really helps. And even like so many scenes that got cut, he was always setting the joke up or being the the punchline of the joke rather than making the joke. No, that's good. So I think that was like consistent throughout. Yeah. Like, he seems really generous with Juancho and trusts him. And he's just an NBA player, but he's funny too. He's very funny. He Juancho. seems like it comes across in the movie anyway. They have a weird chemistry that totally works. You want to hear a story? I'll tell you a story. Yes. Yeah. We're doing the scene for, uh, that was the last day of our first shoot. So we had to do the shoot over two different periods. The first period was like intimate scenes. And the second period was basketball and bigger scenes because we couldn't shoot the bigger scenes during the beginning of COVID because we all thought we were going to die from COVID. <laughs> we had masks and we like had mm. shields and then we had gloves and we had like protective clothing and hazmat suits and we were all together and then the actors would act. And um, it was the last day and one of the uh, cast, not, uh, or crew, or I'm not going to say who, somebody got right. COVID. And they were very involved in in the production. So we all thought we had COVID all of a sudden. But we were like, oh, we got to finish this last scene. And it was the scene where um, Stanley comes in and he says, you know, you've been watching too much pornography and you got to eat special food. And uh, and and. And Adam, Adam like looks at him. He goes, "You, you've been, you know, and you've been watching too much pornography." And Watch was like asleep, pretending to be asleep. And he goes, "It wasn't me." And that was completely ad-libbed. Oh, really? And Adam started <laughs> fucking bursting out laughing in the middle. Of the it was the first time I ever saw him break character, and it was like and everybody around me was like, "That's the first time I've ever broken character." And it was because Watch, Watch made him laugh so hard. It was like in this like really tense moment where we all thought we were gonna die. Like Watch was so funny. He made he made Adam stand and laugh. You know? He's great, man. That was a cool. That was cool. Yeah, it's a funny scene. I'm a big sucker for movie montages, and this is a sports montage, and it's in Philadelphia, so people have Rocky in the back of their mind. Were you guys feeling like a specific pressure to pull off a sports movie montage with the right music, or were you just like, this is the one I always wanted to say, or we're just winging it, or did you have a vision? So so that 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 track that they use, Become a Mountain, in there um, mm-hmm. is, uh, is, a, is a banger. Yes. Um, I've seen it uh, in, I feel like I saw it in a commercial once. Is that true? Uh, uh, in, um, Apple used it for something. I can't remember. It's like in some Apple shit. Then and it's from I your, saw, it's an album, right? It's from yeah, it's, it's from my album, Mystic Familiar, 2020. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. A ballerina, ballet, a ballet, not just a ballerina, mm-hmm. ballet performed to it. Yep. And, uh, and wow. when we first started cutting together the camera tests for this movie, we cut them to become a mountain. Oh, okay. It's wow. just a beautiful song. It's a yeah. beautiful song. It's a, it's a and then you song. emailed Dan, it's my honor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the instrumental version. I mean, you should hear the original version. Dan, Dan does some great singing on it. 
it's he's gonna do it right now it's a great it's, <laughs> it's very it's great that i like to do jumping jacks to that song in the morning i do jumping jacks and push-ups i love this song that you can do a ballet sell computers or make amazing movie montages too that is like yeah. it's a song with legs oh, it was, it was it's apple, an amazing track we'll, we'll, we'll cut it in yeah it <laughs> worked the yeah. advertising worked um it's great I, I if people haven't seen it i can't wait to, for them to hear the music to this movie there was there was a, a pressure to make it um because we tried a lot of different versions there i get pre- pressure comes with a connotation um, um that maybe i'm putting it on myself but um to make it more traditional sports and this mm-hmm. was coming from you know because it was a huge budget movie and yeah. i think huge. i this was my first large narrative feature score okay. and i think if i was a major studio i would be like can this guy do this <laughs> yeah like what is <laughs> this guy has an album called you know uh spider-man of the rings can he be trusted <laughs> um, <laughs> so there was and, and jeremiah was very good at being like keep it your sound do what you want but lean into strings and brass. Like we have the resources and Rudy yeah. and everyone in Netflix were awesome saying the same thing. But there was like, I was like, Oh my God, but am I going like too big or too small? Like what is commercial? Do we want to make this commercial? Like we don't uh-huh. want, we don't want it to sound like rock. And when you go back and you listen to, I, I, you know, I started like studying sports music scores and a lot of them are not what you think. Right. Like the big emotional scenes in Rocky are very subtle, like lamenting mm. French horn mm-hmm. over like slight string pads. Yeah, There's only a point. few tracks that are really like these like big bumping tracks and they tend to be mm-hmm. commercial license tracks. And that's nearly impossible to replicate with a score because you're giving the mixer uncompressed unmastered versions of tracks that are going to get mixed in with the sound design while the needle drops are all as loud as they can possibly be the entire time that's why they always sit so much higher in the mix just because they're a finished thing does that make any sense yes so we tried out a bunch of different versions of like building on top of become a mountain writing like variations like the end credits scroll Mm -hmm. was originally written for that montage scene I don't know if this is like too much information. No, this is perfect. No, we love this shit. Um, (laughs) It was written for that and like scored to it. Um, I think the edit might've changed, but like, that's why the timing is a little bizarre to it. But, um, you know, same sort of thing starting off, like, you know, chugging away in the piano, but then we had big brass and strings and drums. And I don't know how it came to, but I think at that point, become a mountain. We had been with it for so long and so much of the other original score had been based off of like reworking that as a, like a, uh, inspiration point that it became almost its own reoccurring motif. So like Mm -hmm. when we started playing the film without it, I kind of felt like there was a hole, even though there was this replacement track for it. So Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that it's there. And I loved the track that we made, which is now the end crawl. I think it's called Run Up, Run Up Hill Win. Mm-hmm. I'm like one of those people who like, if I make a typo in my file name, I'm like, oh no, that, that's, that's the name of the track. It's Run Up Hill Win. <laughs> I was wondering about the titles of these so the titles and this is true in a lot of scores that the title is just something literally from the film 
Um, mm-hmm. That's just is that just a standard convention? Is there any feeling that you have that like no a, t- a, t- a song should have its own title that isn't necessarily just literally saying what the scene is or whatever? Run uphill win. Run uphill win. Run uphill fail. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, normally I do like to do that. <laughs> But there were a lot of different versions of this film, and I'm not used to working with a large team. So this okay. had a music editor, a score mixer, uh, two people mixing various versions of the film. It had to get sent to Netflix for review, Happy Madison for review, Jeremiah's team for review. So if I had called something like <laughs> Ponderous Lament, right. like, <laughs> they'd be like what the mm-hmm. fuck is this like where did this go okay so it sort of had to be like Bo meets kermish yeah. like like and then by the time we get to the end everything is this like marathon you know psychedelic swirl of emails and lack of sleep and like final adjustments and mm-hmm. a couple of frames are added move that so it, you don't have time to be like which track is truly Stanley's lament here? Like, where, so you kind of stick with what's <laughs> right. on the cue sheet. And with a project like this, where there's like hundreds of different like language versions of the film, yeah, and everyone needs to wow. make sure that like the cue sheet is the most up to date. Everything moved at a pace that was just like um, bewilderingly fast for a project that started in 20. It's not like I like sit down in 2020. I'm like Stanley Sugarman. <laughs> what will you have titles be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, a lot of them are for ease, and by the yeah. time you get to putting out the score for it to be public-facing, it's already in paperwork, and you want to make sure that the, the song title on the streaming services matches the song title on the audio streaming services so that when like they get multiple plays, every, it's. I guess it comes down to just the root of most problems, which is capitalism. So at mm-hmm. your next live show, <laughs> when you hear somebody sh- um, shouting the request, coaching debut part one and part two, that'll be me. <laughs> Yeah. oh yeah then there's that it's like well do we lose the part one or part two do i combine them into Mm -hmm. multiple things and like one track i don't don't know if it's still titles it was called coaching moment haas and i had like 85 versions (laughs) of coaching moment it's now just coaching moment coaching moment yeah um it's a coaching moment yeah sure um That was the original title of the film was coaching. Moment. <laughs> you, you are set up for those. Like when record labels do like the 20 year anniversary and they're like the uncut version or the unseen tracks or all that stuff. You can release like 17 of those. It sounds like if DVDs were still popular, we could have a, a litany of uh, alternate soundtracks. So. Oh, I'm still a sucker. I just bought like a stupid pavement one. I'm still a sucker for all those re-release Hell yeah. stuff from the nineties and stuff. I love it. I'm like green vinyl. I have to have this. <laughs> yeah, right. And then Our, my friends like black vinyl actually plays clearer than colored vinyl, dude. And I was like, it is true. No one would ever notice, but it is true. <laughs> is there going to be a physical release of um, the film, like on Blu-ray or DVD? I don't think so. It's Netflix. Oh, they got to do it. Um, we should bootleg it. <laughs> We'll push it on the site. I'm here. sure there are places on the podcast in Brooklyn, for instance, where you can buy the bootleg of this right now. I hope I will buy any bootleg of this. I see. <laughs> I got an old camcorder. I'll just do the classic movie theater camcorder thing on my Netflix, like Kramer and Seinfeld, and then I'll send it to you. The theater, you can bootleg it from a theater. You could do that. You could do the old school. The, boot, the bootleg tables set up on the on the streets in Brooklyn. They definitely have Netflix bootlegs. 
Yeah. Do they? Yeah, for oh. sure. Really? Yeah. yeah, hustle one, get us one. Yeah, we want one. Okay. We want a- Here's right. the ultimate Netflix bootleg, in my opinion. You go to a non-Netflix movie in the theater, you bust out your laptop, and then you bust out the camcorder. <laughs> you just get a little bit of the other where you got like Top Gun Maverick and like the tight, yeah. like the top word. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds cool to me. I'm into that. <laughs> oh, you know what? Speaking of of uh, of Netflix for the millionth time, but um, Dan, your uh, Twitter handle I think is at eBay Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So you just manifested this shit, huh? Uh, Selling bootlegs on eBay from Netflix, you mean, or making a movie? Oh, why is your Why is your Twitter handle at, at eBay eBay Netflix? I'm not on Twitter, but so I don't know. <laughs> I've had it for like I don't know, eleven years now, and I just my label's like you gotta start a Twitter, and I was like, why? It's so stupid, and they're like. <laughs> I think uh-huh. someone already had at Dan Deacon. So I was just like, uh, eBay, Netflix. Sounds good. <laughs> and that, I love it. That sounds exactly like a flippant, oh, fucking internet you know, handle. Yeah. And you're like, what are the, th-? but it's amazing that then 10 you years later, the number one movie on Netflix. <laughs> I still get tagged in things being like, I ordered this and the seller never sent it. I was, <laughs> and they tag me. And I'm I'll, if someone's being like a real asshole, they'll be like, fuck ebay i'll never use ebay and then i'm like good you can't we won't let you back and they'll be like how dare you and then they still think i'm ebay and then they're like wait you're just some fucking dickhead <laughs> Dan, has anybody called you yet about doing another sports movie score not yet no no i can't believe it will come <laughs> i gotten i've gotten sure. calls i gotten calls from random people they, they want sports movies I got what are you going to make? Movie. Yeah, I don't can know. I get a baseball one, please? They're doing a new White Man Can't Jump, which I don't know. I know, how I know, I know they are. I know they we'll are. We'll see. Yeah. Could be good. So, but do you want to break any classic. news here? Are you? Is that is that where you're headed next? The new White Man Can't Jump? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I'm going to do. No, they. That's <laughs> the reboot. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing anything right now. Dan and I are working on another movie. Oh yeah. Oh really? It's a. It's a. It's a show. It's a show. It's. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a secret show. Okay. We can't talk about it. All right. That's, that's exciting, that's exciting though. Yeah. That's why I brought it up because we can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I also said like, it's just like, no, no one's asked me to do anything. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Good actor. I love, no. the, I love that you guys are going forward with the collaboration though. That's awesome. Dan, are you, are you an NBA fan? I don't think Dan, Dan's not an NBA fan. You're not an NBA fan. Baltimore doesn't, Baltimore doesn't have a basketball team. I, I, I don't really, I love going to a stadium to like just be in a crowd, like for any sport. But I'm not, I don't follow any sort of sport with like a passion. Right. I kept talking to Dan about the drums. I was like, have you been to an NBA game? And Dan was like, no. And I was like, (laughs) you got to go to an NBA game with me because the drums are insane. Like do the bass drums in an NBA game. And so we went to the Sixers game, the Sixers game we shot for the end credits of the movie. Dan Uh came to that game and... Yeah, cool. And he was sitting next to my storyboard artist Hugo, and and they watched the game together, masked. And and I, afterwards, we 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 drank some of the uh, VFX artists' homemade wine in the parking lot. And nice. and, and and I said, "Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about with the drums?" And Dan said, "Yes." And then he said, "Can I now redo the score now?" <laughs> do-, <laughs> do you have Dan? Do you have a favorite uh, track that's not uh, score in the movie? Uh, oh, the Tierra Whack. Um, Evan Track. That's the best. Yeah. Evan is all my favorite people. Evan. 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 I wanna go. 
like and, and like that was the one time where like me and the music editor really fought to have that piece to continue to be used and not to be replaced because it was at the phase where like music was being subbed out for different music and they were mm -hmm. trying like but we we're like this piece heaven is amazing and we scored the scene prior to be in the same key as the intro and the next scene to be in the same chord is like as it fades out so it has this like seamless connection and like i really think the that like Bo and stan would be in the car listening to the radio i don't think they're sitting there listening and you know driving in silence mm -hmm. i think this is on and like their thoughts are like where they like the shot of the plane up in the sky right. like i'm the you know i traveled a ton for work like mm -hmm. being a touring musician and there's nothing worse than like driving away from a bad show mm. and just having hours to sit with it yeah yeah you know what i mean and that yeah. drive from like philly to new york is not like the most yeah right yeah so like you're just sitting there with your thoughts there's nothing to like really put them in and I don't know. I kept thinking like the radio would be on. These guys wouldn't just yeah. be like plotting along. And yep. this, it had this like beautiful diegetic sound vibe, but also like matched the storytelling of this like dream dying. I mm -hmm. I loved it. I think it's a great, great use. I, I was wondering about that. So sometimes songs are like just there for the vibe, but sometimes you can hear that they're doing a little bit of narration. Like for instance, when they go to Philly, there's that song um, and it's by, let's see, I'm looking at here, by Eve, uh, Philly, Philly. And it's and you hear it's like Philly, Philly. And you know, you're seeing the scenes. How much are you counting on songs to like help tell the story? I guess this is mostly for Jeremiah because I'm thinking about the songs, the licensed songs more than the score in this question. Not at all. No. I, I think that, 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 uh, that you start, What's the process? The process is for me, in the, at least in this film, was we had a library of Dan Deacon. Yeah. Giving me a library of instrumentals. The editors, Brian, Tom, and Keiko, who was working with me here, we, they were in LA, Brian and Tom. We would take Dan Deacon's score and cut what we could score to prior tracks. And then we would give those to Dan and we would say, make these new. That was the that was the first that was the first step. The second step was the pieces without score. You know, we started with the Spain scene, mm -hmm. the Sp and Dan said, "I hear opera and uh, and something drum kit for the street streetball scene. Yeah, drums and opera." So Dan sent me a score back, and I was like, "I love the drums. Don't like the opera." <laughs> and, yeah, I, uh, I was like, "I don't remember opera in this." And no, but what Dan was hearing, what was important, was is actually there. It was like. What that, what we were getting towards, what we described is like kind of a superhero vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the bass is the drums, but then we layer, sort of Dan starts to layer this superhero stuff on top of it. And that was, once we nailed that track, that took, you know, four or five edits. But once we nailed that track, that was the, then we were off to the races. So then Dan and I um, and the editor score, you know, had a had a had a score for the whole movie. And then um, and then there was a mandate to make the movie more commercial, basically. Okay. And so um, we started plugging in popular music yeah. and, and cutting popular music into the places that felt like it really needed um, popular music. And so, you know, those came from all different places. Keiko's son found the uh, Sam Hemshaw track in the beginning. The weight of guilt might slow us down. We got the whole world ahead and the whole world behind. Nothing 
Yeah, that's my editor, Keiko, Keiko Suntai. So shout out to Ty, found that track. Um, that's The World Is Mine. Yeah, it, Brian Brian had that uh, that uh, track in the beginning of the montage, that hip-hop track where they say hustle, um, you know? Is that the Dallas track? Running? Oh, dude, I loved that song in the movie, man. That got me so hyped. I've, I've, like, I've, I've been listening to that song a lot since the movie. No muscle, no hustle, no backbone. I stand alone, not tripping. Just saying, I'm different. Ain't hanging on to the coattails of the next man. Passport in my left hand. Thinking that you are next. Heck, oh, you ain't holding your breath, man. It's a good song. Yeah. And that's got a sample from King Brit, who is Philly. Philadelphia born, uh, oh, cool. legendary synth musician. Cool. Incredible, incredible. I used to go, when I was a kid, I would go to parties and he would be DJing. Big part, like party. Not like, oh, that's awesome. Not like, uh, I like a party with like kids, like a party, like a yeah, yeah, party. <laughs> yeah, 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 a grown-up party. Like a grown Do you have a favorite track, uh, Jeremiah? I, Heaven is my favorite. Oh well, Heaven and you can do it at the end. That was the other thing. I was like, at the end of the whole process, like Dan, I have this idea for the credits. I have this idea for the credits. This is, this is story. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run the credits, and so you're gonna see all the famous basketball yeah. players. That are, and it's gonna be like one of those movies where you see the people at the end. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Dan was like, and so Keiko and I started cutting together. Like, Dan, I need a banger of a track. I just need like the, I need like something to pop. It's joy. It's like the audience is yeah. going to feel joy. And Dan sends me like 40 tracks. He's like, these are a bunch I've been thinking about. And I was like, so I'm like, nah, man, no, this isn't it. And I was like, remember when I was at your concert and you were just like, you can do it. You just told everybody they could yeah. do it. And Dan was like, oh yeah, you can do it. He was like, <laughs> it's like, what's it, what's it called? What's the track called? Don't change your life. You can do it. Change your life. Change yeah. your life. And like that really That's fucking awesome. narrates it. They just yeah. changed their lives or whatever. And you can do it with such a standard thing. Like I had completely forgot. Like for like I went through my own Spotify, being like, "What songs have I written?" <laughs> and since that one's not on an album and just standalone single, it wasn't in the list. And so I sent that playlist over, and that was like on Thursday. Okay. And then <laughs> that Saturday, I played Brooklyn Steel, and. Jeremiah was there and he was like, why didn't you put this on the playlist? Like, I was like, oh, I forgot that that song existed. He's like, how did you forget it existed? You played it two days ago. <laughs> but then I think we were both worried that it wasn't going to get approved because of the you can do it because that's like a oh. Sandler slogan. Oh, I was like, wow. but then I was like, we can get like Rob Schneider to come in and do it. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I, I remember like I went to see Dad. Dad was like, you should, you should come to see this, the show um saturday night i haven't been just so you know i have two children i have a i have an infant child i don't stay up after nine o'clock nine o'clock i'm in bed and it's like the show starts at midnight yeah, or some shit yeah. some crazy <laughs> i brought insane my editor and um hugo who uh runs post here at uh at um had a post production here at public record and we went um and caitlin i think no caitlin didn't come we went to 
Brooklyn Steel and saw. And it was like, if you have not seen a Dan Deacon show, he is a fucking rock star. And it was like, and this thing, this, it was like, I was midnight and I was awake and he yeah. just kept awake. You can do like, it. And, and then that song. That's my goal is to keep everyone awake at this show. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah's like, it was so well, good. I'm the only Dan, is a, Dan is an old man like me, but everybody else is like 10 years old. It's yeah. like his fan base. They're like infants. They're like young children. <laughs> yes. You know, and they were like dancing and shit. Dan was like, "You go to this side, you go to that oh, side, wow. you this dance cool. move, and you do that dance move." And I was like, "Holy shit, this isn't crazy, yeah, wild shit." And then he did that song, and I was like, "This is this is yeah, the end. right." End of our movie. The, That's so the end credits in general are really good. They and I think they accomplish exactly what you're talking about about that that feeling of the end. But I also love the typography, the uh, the that cursive or whatever that's being mm -hmm. used there. I love and it. And Walsh, and Walsh, and Walsh. So Zach Mulligan's, who's my DP, his wife, her company, and Walsh did the did the guys. They're all handwritten. Every oh, single really? one of them handwritten. Yeah. Oh, cool. They're so great. Yeah, it's got a great vibe to it. It it, it ends and it makes the movie feel kind of like. A little more classic than you yeah, think. Yeah, I felt like walking out of the movie this, like, theater, like hype. I'm like, I just saw yeah. Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, you should have done bloopers. No, I'm joking. <laughs> when you were asking before if I was an NBA fan, like I don't watch games, but I will like stay up till four in the morning watching like slam dunk competitions okay. and like mm -hmm. best of, like no yeah, joke. Yeah. Like they are really, really fun to watch. Like like I could yeah. you know, like I don't watch football, but I right. could watch an inside the NFL episode any day of the week. Yeah. And like any sort of like like athleticism is beautiful it's yeah. it's really it's like when you go to the ballet and you're like i'm the same type of animal as that person. Yeah. how do they do that with their body and the players get to be so much more expressive than i mean nba is really the only thing i only sport i like because i feel i know josh was not agree, but in baseball or football they feel so regimented and like they're on their teams and nba just feels kind of like you can go wild style and it's very it's people very love you for it like scoring to it was very much like choreography, but like in reverse where right. like I would watch the players and then score to their movements. And like, yeah, there's cool. patterns to it. Like that yeah. was like, you know, thinking about plays and how it works, yeah. and the ball moves. And like, I don't know, it was really, it gave me a greater appreciation for the sport than I think I could get just from like watching slam dunk YouTube videos. Yeah. I think this movie would do that for, anybody who wasn't a basketball fan i mean the way the basketball is shot and the, and the score is doing this and the directing is doing this too it's gorgeous to watch them play basketball in this movie and my mother loves the basketball the yeah, basketball it might be some of the it might be the best basketball, the best basketball movie is shot there? in a movie ever this is no teen wolf 2 <laughs> this is no but that has a no, great okay. score you that 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 has the we win in the end win in the end do you know that song? Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and but my joke is usually basketball just looks terrible in movies and like i've played basketball and it just looks weird and awkward this looks real but it also looks like gorgeous and beautiful and i feel like football yeah. has gotten the big cinematic treatment but this is the first time i was like oh good basketball looks amazing on film it's great and the music it all works yeah the basketball fans i know have really enjoyed it i mean what's cool about this movie is that it's it's really a movie that like i mean I, i'll Tell my mom to watch it. She likes basketball, but you know, she, she, I don't know if she's ever seen an Adam Sandler movie, like, but she'll like it. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that it's, it's a movie that really anyone can tell your mom, tell your moms. I, I told you, did I send you, I sent you the text my I, mom sent me. That's why it's getting seen by a billion people or whatever, because it's like anybody, you know, you could put it on in any room. Doesn't matter <laughs> if you're a sports fan or not. If you're a sports fan, you're going to love it.
Yeah, and if Dan Dan hadn't scored my high school movie, (laughs) (laughs) if you hadn't stolen that song from him, (laughs) that's why why I'm pirating Hustle on DVD. (laughs) People, people, I just have to tell you, I think I texted you this, Jeremiah. My mother texted me, this movie's so beautiful, I couldn't stop crying, and your father loved it too. And I was like, wow. There's some nicely emotional movies. Couldn't stop crying. I was not expecting that, but it is so emotional and beautiful. I was like, I get it. The whole family. You guys, I just, I know you guys, I got to get out of here. I got to jump. I got to, I got another one. I got another best thing. I'll um, just say if you guys watch your this was, I'm not going to do the trivia thing obviously you got to go but I will just tell you that this is kind of funny if you watch the movie on closed caption the the little tags they put up for the score are very funny um, that we were going to ask you yeah, if you can guess which like which scene Dan if you want to do it you I, can I will stick around okay. and All right, I have cool. no right, cool. obligations yeah. for the rest of the day okay. Dan is a better guest than me anyway you're a great um, guest but Dan I will talk to you soon yeah Definitely. we have secret things to discuss bootlegging um, bootlegging your movies thanks for doing this my pleasure joshua Matthew. love the movie man congratulations it's great yeah it's amazing great job all right joshua checking in here once again it was a great segment with jeremiah there he had to run though but luckily dan does stick around with us for quite a while longer so enjoy as we really um learn a lot more about how things get made from the musician side of things and hear a little bit more about uh you know how what he's thinking about as he's going about this kind of work and you know discuss all sorts of other odds and ends as well whether jimmy page uses condoms you know all the typical things you might expect to come up in this sort of conversation all right so we'll 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 test you here, and you can you can tell us if you. I'm glad we get to do this. Joshua came up with this. Really so good. this is blowing my mind. It was cracking me up as I was watching the movie, and then I was thinking, like, do 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 the people who make these movies know about this? You probably don't. Like you like you don't. Oh, I just, you don't get an email that says like, "Hey, give me an adjective to describe this song or this scene." Right. So. I'm guessing you don't, right? No. So, like the easy. I ask for them. I ask for those <laughs> in the process. Like when I first start scoring, I'm like, "Give me three adjectives that describe the the scene." The scene, just so I know that I'm not picking up on the wrong right. thing. Like you know, getting a, a movie with no sound at all, you can go in the wrong direction pretty easily without yeah. just being like. And especially like I started doing it with advertising, where I'd be like, "What's what is the goal?" And like, "Well, the goal is to be like." cool and sexy but family friendly and smart (laughs) nothing you're saying that the thing the one thing you're describing doesn't exist like um so i was like give me three words so i'm I'm super excited about someone doing this after the fact because now i can compare (laughs) them to the original three words and see if i succeed so i'll give you a real easy one to start off with so the scene where the where the tag comes up on the screen that says motivational music playing is that the running training montage, the last game, or the combine game? So your closed caption is motivational, motivational music musical playing. playing. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the combine. Uh, no, you were wrong. It is the running training montage. But I think what's what's useful here is that that I think that often get the ad- I think the adjectives have as much to do with the narrative as they do with the actual sound of the music. So yeah, the, yeah. it being the running training, I think probably influences the person describing it. 
All right, so well, this there's a lot of running training in the film, and I wasn't sure if that yeah. was like. Oh, I was thinking. Well, the, the, there's that one really um, the big the big running training montage, the one that's like uh, when he when they're like doing the time and the time's narrowing down. It's during that scene mm-hmm. that whatever the music is during that scene. Well, that's not score. That, while that's my music, that's licensed music. Oh, is that what it? Oh, but but that's yeah, yeah. but it is an instrumental, right? It is an instrumental. Yeah. So that's when they they put this they put these up there for instrumentals because the words gotcha. I okay, guess they just okay, picked I got the you. name of the track. All right. Well, now that I know how the game works, okay. that, you know that, well, this one, that was just that was yeah. just the explainer. That was one. just the explainer. Yeah. Now this one. Now if you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, these you're playing for money. Now, now this one you gotta <laughs> you gotta know your own your own stuff here a little bit. But this is okay. So the, the stirring percussion music. <laughs> stirring percussion music okay is this the end credits discovering bow cruise or again the training montage well that's bullshit because i already told you what the training montage is so okay that limits it <laughs> stirring percussion this is, music this is this, this is the street ball game yes discovering you are, bow you're absolutely using, right using this motif all right ball. yeah okay so that one is for one stirring percussion music all right now <laughs> unnerving music unnerving music Okay. All right. It says unnerving music playing. Yes, unnerving music playing. <laughs> is this the end credits or the scrimmage against Kermit? God, I wish it was the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make some of them a little lazy. You really could, you know, like there's that, uh, if anyone hasn't seen the film, big spoiler. Um, but at the end, like after like, you know, Stanley, you know, the, the Sixers do like the uh, high five all in right before the game against Bo's new team and he goes up Stanley goes up to Embiid and is like he's like this is what Bo does these are his moves yeah, yeah, yeah. how you can destroy yeah. him <laughs> like when that got added to the edit I was like this is dark as fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> I built him I can break him down <laughs> yeah, I was like I really thought like the strings just be like just like going like full horror um, and then yeah, yeah we watch the rest of the game like, and he gets completely dominated and they realize yeah, completely <laughs> <laughs> more unnerving music playing but this would be when bo meets kermit yes right? it is okay so um two more then i'm gonna switch i'm gonna switch it up a little bit at this one so during the combine game it says tense music playing okay okay but <laughs> at the beginning of the combine before the game starts it's a different tag and is mm-hmm. that upbeat music upbeat instrumental music or inspirational music i'm gonna go upbeat instrumental music no it's upbeat music Oh, oh man, that is that is some bullshit question. <laughs> it is. It's not upbeat music. It's upbeat instrumental music. It's not on the soundtrack because it's like a thirty second. It's supposed to be diegetic. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't just like use yeah. like some fair use, right? Like, da, 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 ba, ba, ba. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was fun to write that and force the London Contemporary Orchestra to play. It. Well, I have <laughs> but, a question um, about that. Did were there any fights? So you have the London Contemporary Orchestra and the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, and that sounds like a war waiting to happen right there. You have the Brits <laughs> and the Scots competing violins or whatever. I just wanted to get it in, you know, in this period post-Brexit yeah, right? before Scotland gets <laughs> independence. You know, really wanted to make- You're bringing them together. That was like an all-scheduling thing. Why We wanted to record um, the sections in isolation so we could have as much uh liberty in the mix to like go wild um so we recorded the strings separate from the brass okay and scheduling wise because i was also on tour uh with future islands at the time in the uk and it was the same week as the oscars so i was just like all over the fucking place and the only way we could get it to work was to do the brass in london and the strings in scotland because all the strings in london were booked the days that um 
I had free and all the days that they had free, I couldn't do. And I'm really glad we did it the way we did because I've loved how um, the Royal Scottish Orchestra was. I thought they sounded beautiful and the facility was great. And it was nice to like have that like mental reset from going from one studio to another mm-hmm. and to think about the strings. Cause I normally record things like, all right, I'm going to ramble real quick. And no then I no think, problem. Yeah, go ahead. When I first, um, uh, when I, you know, obviously when Jeremiah asked me to do it, I was like, yes, 100%. And he's like, okay, we just need to get it past Netflix. Because again, like mm-hmm. I'd done a bunch of like indie docs and like, mm-hmm. but this was like the first thing of like major consequence where if like, if I botched the score, it would have been a very expensive and costly uh, yeah. repair work. So I can understand why they were like, well, Netflix is going to vet you. Like, even though they had all of my music in the temp and that was all, all right. approved and Happy Madison liked it. And Jeremiah, like Netflix still need to be like, yeah, but Ken, you crossed the finish line. So I'm doing like the first initial call and we're talking about the sound. They're like, well, you know, this is like a big commercial film. Um, are you open to working with um, orchestras? I'm like, yes, of course. Like, and I went to school for composition. Like I don't record it because it's cost prohibitive for a single person to record an orchestra, but <laughs> I know how to do it. It's something I've always wanted to do. Cool. I've yeah. written for them in a live context, but never in a recording process. Awesome. Da, da, da. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, so what's your plan? What would you like to do? And I was like, well, I built this room in my garage with these pipes and these moving blankets. And like, <laughs> awesome. And like, I, you know, I'd bring in like a one violinist, you know, and we'd bang on. And they were like, well, we were thinking more like air studios or that's when I realized the scale. And you're like, oh, plan B. Yes. That was, yeah, like, I was like, plan, oh, B. Well, plan B. Of course would be like, I take, down like the weird like uh, blanket cage I built in my garage. <laughs> I guess we could do that. And that, that's when I like was like, oh, this is a real deal. Yeah. That must have been I so did. exciting, but also so scary too, right? Definitely. Or were you not? Um, it was just I. It was a new league. You know what I mean? And I think the film was also helping me like sit in that mindset. Like I felt like Bo being okay. like there's a lot of writing on this. Like yeah. I need to yeah. do, I need to do this. Well, I don't want to fuck this up, but That's I loved awesome. being like, no, you should check out my garage. I got a pretty good garage. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> Not a lot of people in uh, Baltimore city have garages and this one's got a, you know. <laughs> in one of their email back and forth, you said, you mentioned um, really liking a, there will be blood soundtrack. I believe you named. Oh yeah. yeah I listened to that. Oh, yeah, we forgot it. to ask favorite movie soundtracks. Yeah. That wasn't recorded in any garages either. No, I saw, I got to see that um, done with a live orchestra at BAM in Brooklyn. Oh my God. I saw it at the um, South center in london yeah it was incredible right and oh, you re- awesome. you realize yeah, when you're when you're watching was playing the owns marino yeah he was yeah 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 i was fanboying very hard Same. yeah <laughs> i was like spent a bunch of money to get like three rows deep i was like he's right there to like everybody who's also there to see him you know <laughs> I, well, the thing that ruined um my mind while watching that and i was like you could get this for any movie because i've yeah, always wanted to redo right. all of lord of the rings with led zeppelin instrumentals oh my god I'm, <laughs> see, I'm not a big lord of the rings fan but now i'm in man you get that i, I mean i am a huge yeah. lord of the rings fan and I, I i think howard shore does the score and he does a great job but it would just be sick yes. like the, Lighting yeah. the beacons of the ministerial, it's like, you make this happen and I'm buying that ticket. I, I really you sold one ticket. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be worth I will break every copyright law of cross music and motion picture to make this happen. Lord of the Rings, besides 
having sex that's the other thing that powers led zeppelin it's like <laughs> sex and lord of the rings are what all the songs yeah. are about <laughs> and then they just interchange and and it, and then like they love blues rock and it's it's amazing i would you can just I would see like that. jimmy page like wiping like used condoms off his copy of the cimmerillion <laughs> being like are you familiar <laughs> exactly that is exactly the the energy the fuel they run on <laughs> the only thing that's uh inaccurate about that uh, joke I just made is uh, Jimmy Page using condoms. Uh, I didn't yeah, want to say that, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, that was but it's true pre condom for sure. Maybe there he has like it. special lotions or something on top of this. He just has mm-hmm. magical, you know. He just makes a he makes a spell or something, right? I apologize for just losing ten percent of your podcast uh, subscribers. I don't the- know. They they might be. You should hear Heather. Oh, Heather yeah, was she, just she's very foul. Who is Heather? Was just calling Nancy Kerrigan the c word. And talking about the Itonia soundtrack, and I was like, "Okay, we're getting it. We're getting into it." <laughs> so yeah, our, our listeners know the deal. Cool. Maybe Jimmy Page will be like, "That's not true." Actually, I've always practiced safe sex, and I would never desecrate the similarity. When I said squeeze my lemon so the juice runs down my leg, I was talking about a condom. <laughs> well, I don't know if I just wanted to hear it, but I definitely, I, I don't know. I felt a little Greenwood vibe in the score. I don't know. There was just there was something going on oh, no, there. I mean, I love their 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 string voicing and just their approach to score and how subtly it comes in and yeah. out of a scene, like it, the way emotions do. Emotions right. just appear. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've heard this um, quote recently that, that we're emotional beings who occasionally think. I think their score does a really good job of having that sort of vibe and atmosphere and while still not being just pads like mm-hmm. there's a lot going on within them and like i remember the first time i saw there will be blood i was almost like angry i was like oh i'm so jealous that that score already exists <laughs> yeah like yeah. not that i would have had the ability to make it but i was like oh fuck it felt like a game changer though when you were watching yeah. it you were like oh movies have to step up their shit now yes and i also really i mean i don't know how other people feel about this but i really liked the fluid connection between the licensed music and the original score, some of which was Greenwoods and some of which were like, you know, classics. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think if for a lot of people, I think some people think all of it's original, you know, bespoke music for the film. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really speaks to the whole music team mm-hmm. and to the filmmaking and like ended Greenwood's compositional ability to match everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like, never thought of the way it like that. that. Like flows as one body of work that is the soundtrack right. to There Will Be Blood. Yeah. I think is beautiful because sometimes you get like a score that's a great score, but then there's like a licensed track that has, you know, like a big moment, but it has no connection to the rest of the film right. whatsoever. And that yeah. isn't necessarily the composer's fault. That could be like a shoehorn in or being like, my uncle owns the rights to this and we're using it in the movie. <laughs> like, like there's so many factors that could like yeah. have an impact in a film like that. But for There Would Be Blood, like just as like a fan of music and a fan of movies, like it's just so through composed in all the choices from the ones that were written to the picture or the ones that were like, the picture was sculpted to. I, I just think it's a great masterwork. I have a related question, but about hustle, which goes from, you know, your uh, tracks that, you know, again, some of which are a uh, sentiment stirring percussion to, you mm-hmm. know, melancholy, whatever Sentimental the music tags playing. are. But then there's also like, you know, hip hop songs and Spanish, modern mm-hmm. Spanish music. And like, how much do you, are you thinking about those things when you're working on the score? Well, I knew there'd be hip hop for sure. 
Um, cause even when I was like having the temp, there was a bunch of, tra- like the David Dallas piece was in there from the beginning. Okay. Um, the Spanish hip hop over the, uh, Boa challenge was in there from the beginning. And we, you know, I can't assume they're going to stay because like someone could just be like, I don't license my music. You can't use this. Right. And then they have to find something else. But we knew from the beginning, like we had to talk with the whole music supervisor team and they're like, yeah, we're going to try to find these pieces. And I was like, I don't want the score to just be like, and then for some reason there's violins and that's mm. it. You know what I mean? Like, and I write electronic music predominantly. So I was like, anyway, I just want to make sure it had that sort of palette so that we had like heavy beats, distorted synths paired with um orchestral sounds constantly weaving in and out so it wasn't so then when there's a scene that's just strings it's not out of place because Mm -hmm. we've had this like sort of like a middle of the venn diagram that's like hip-hop and electronic music production with the orchestra Mm -hmm. so wanted to make sure that the score had that sort of same cohesion Mm -hmm. that like that the sound that when the soundtrack came in and the score came in they would feel like a body of work and the score actually you know had to have a much wider range than I thought it would because we were given a lot more um, of the the high-intensity sports scenes than I mm-hmm. thought we were going to get. And I was psyched because there were so many scenes where I was like, oh, they're going to poach this for yeah. um, a hip-hop track or they're going to poach mm-hmm. this right. for like something that you know everyone knows the words and the story to. Yeah, or, kind of like an easier, more accessible. Yeah, because there was a big it. push yeah. for this. You know, it is a commercial film. Sure. It's a yeah. Massive budget, major stars, Netflix, you know, we're going as big as we can. So I thought there were a couple of scenes that I wasn't going to get. So then we did get them. I was like, oh, well, let's lean into what, let's lean into what it should be. You know what I mean? Like, like, let's go big, dirty drums. Let's go like throbbing bass line. And and, but luckily Jeremiah was also like, we want it. He's like, I hired you because I like your music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, don't try to sound like anything else. Sound like he is. Yeah. Jeremiah, he's also, you guys sound like perfect collaborators because I worked with him and we wrote this TV show for Quibi and then Quibi went down and whatever. But he was like, yeah, dude, you should do this. I was like, cool. And I like wrote a sample script. He's like, okay, they do it. You're the head writer. And I was like, what? And I was just like, dude, he's like, what? You wrote that first, you wrote the first episode. Just keep doing that for eight more. And then like Samuel Jackson was going to narrate. And I was like, dude. And he's like, it's fine. And he's like, he's like, and I kept being like, I'm a writer on staff. And then Jeremiah kept being like, he's the head writer. Just do it. And I love how Jeremiah is just like, if he trusts something, or trusts you he just like pushes you and throws you out there and he's like do it you'll figure it out you're fine everyone else is just bullshitting and he was always like i'd rather just work with people i like who know who i think have good ideas and it's 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 really it's really great so i feel like with you he was just like i love dan deacon do the movie do whatever you want i'll, I'll take care of the rest kind of thing it was great and then scenes where i needed direction he gave it and then scenes where i was you know uh, like the the puppy walking off the paper, he'd be like, "Okay, let's put you back on the paper." Yeah, yeah. But it was never like, "This isn't right" or "This isn't working." Like it was very much like, "What do you think?" And not yeah. the kind of like, you know, sometimes people ask that question, they're like, "Oh, well, that's cute that you think that, but here's what you should think." It was always yeah. like, "Oh, cool, let's talk about it. I'll think about it." Like it was always a true collaboration, and I feel like yeah, it really helped shape it. Even on the Happy Madison side, they were as well, like. That's awesome. Sandler was very like like supportive of the score and would be like, "Oh, I love. Could you could you go bigger on this?" And but not in that sort of like studio note of just like make it bigger. It'd yeah, be yeah, like, yeah. Specifically, like, oh, I want people to feel this part of this thing, and like th- there weren't just notes for notes' sakes. It yeah. felt like there was a vested interest in the music of this film, and I think that's why it's a very music heavy project. 
I yeah. mean, it were it it works so well that I think it does when I read reviews on it. I think it's such a great setup because the reviews are so strong, and a lot of times they like mention you in the reviews because I think they're like, okay, I got this assignment, sports movie, Adam Sandler, I know the drill, right? And then you have like Jeremiah's like realist filmmaking, and then your beautiful score, and the whole thing becomes elevated, and everyone's like, oh shit, I didn't know I was getting like a cinematic movie movie <laughs> like that's kind of a little more intellectual and artistic a lot more intellectual and artistic than it's going to be so i feel like it's kind of like a great setup where you're going in maybe the expectations are kind of generic and then you hit them upside the head with all this great art and i, I love it it's really fun <laughs> you bring up uh, happy madison's part i have to i guess that i don't know if it's sandler himself or somebody there's working with some pretty good taste because i wonder i, I was wondering as i was watching jeremiah does such a such a good job as the director of this movie and like where did they see that in we the animals i mean certainly you see that he's a very good director in that but where did they see that he i mean i'm assuming that they came to him i don't you guys probably know way more about this than me but i would assume happy mad this is a happy madison production he told me sandler called him up right and someone like like, suggested him so, so how did they see that this guy who made this little arty indie movie that's very very good but i certainly was not watching that thinking oh this director's clearly going to make the next adam sandler basketball movie but yeah yeah, yeah. jesus he does it i think it also probably helped after uncut gems he was like oh maybe this is my new route work with like young interesting directors you know kind of thing i'm sure that might have helped i'll just do jeremiah i'll do an impression of jeremiah right now (laughs) (laughs) i think the complex family uh storytelling which is the most the the biggest theme it might get lost in like the press or like in the imagery of the film Mm -hmm. and like the sick basketball scenes but like the film is about like just someone who wants to just be there for his family Mm -hmm. and i think the family issues in we the animals Mm, um, makes sense i think that he was like oh this guy knows how to tell like a complex family story right yeah yeah Yeah. makes sense yeah maybe the industry thing is like you can always make a sports ending like a lot of people can do that it's like yeah. making people feel during it or have a real story behind it it got me a few times i'm, I'm psyched he called him because i don't think i would have gotten the call if it was somebody else <laughs> so. but it's so crazy when you were talking about like you know you're a kid we grow up and we're like quoting billy madison or shit mm-hmm. and then like 20 years later you're doing like a major production doing the music for adam sandler who's taken this other turn that must have kind of been a head trip Oh yeah, I mean, I grew up in Long Island. Sandler's from Long Island. Like, oh, yeah, I would have been twelve when "They're All Gonna Laugh at You" came out on CD, and he <laughs> was like the king of Saturday Night Live, like Opera Man was like a god. Yeah, Opera yeah. Man was. I was in the same. I think I mean, I was in New Jersey, feeling the same vibes. Yeah, so like that, the, the tri-state area was going fucking bonkers <laughs> for Sandler. <laughs> and I've got the uncut gems poster hanging at my studio. Already had it. Um. And still watch his Happy Madison movies when they come out. Like Wrong Missy, the Happy Madison, David Spade movie, a bunch of just wow. like Oh, I never even saw that one. And I watched Wrong Missy the same week as Jeremiah called me. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think this is the kind of Happy Madison movie Jeremiah's making. I think we're going to make something different. Yeah. But Wrong Missy. Every Happy Madison was great to work with. They were very, very supportive. Tom and Brian were awesome. Brian was like, um, a fan, I think beforehand, and was like oh, that's great cool. to work with, and also really helped make a lot of the temp mine, which I think helped hmm. sell that sound throughout. Right. Because I think if it was a more like commercial sound or like a a big Zim style mm-hmm. score, 
it would have been an uphill battle to change it back. Mm, that makes you know sense. I mean? yeah. yeah, sure. But like he tempted out him and Keiko did a great job of like laying the framework of the sonic uh, palette that we were going to work with. That's awesome. Yeah, makes sense. Did you want to do your last quiz question? No, no, <laughs> I it's just, fine. I just looked at it's the sheet. Fine. I'll just tell you that. It, so, so some of the other ones were. Uh, where do I have the list here? Let's see. There's one that says. There's, there's one, one more left. There's one that said soft music playing, which I was like, okay. what the hell does that mean? Like, that's not helping anybody. Like, somebody who can't hear the music is watching TV and being like, oh, great, soft music is playing, oh, right? No, nice and soft. Yeah. So yeah, so you might help them out on that in future ones because they're not always they're not always great. But the winner, this is when... like unlistenable. No, no, yeah, none of them do that. <laughs> That would be a great role, though. Postmodern music. Um, Trying too hard score. <laughs> but, but when Bo is reunited with his daughter. That scene got me, I'll admit. Like, I, I, I had a little, <gasps> when, when, he, when he reveals. And in hindsight, I should have seen it coming a mile away. Because two seconds before, his Queen Latifah says to, uh, you know, oh, he hasn't seen his daughter in so long. And then immediately, that's what happens. But I'll yeah. tell you what, in the moment, I, I was like, oh, it got me. Nice. <laughs> got you off yeah. guard. That's <laughs> it was that sentimental like, music yeah. playing. That was that was the one that Adam was the most involved in. Okay. Being like, I really want a tearjerker needs to happen here. Yeah. And when I saw him at the party, I was like, thanks for pushing me so far there. Like, you, you can get really comfortable with your own work. Mm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about scoring is that like, you're collab. I mean, Sandler's a musician, but like Jeremiah is not a musician. But you're making music with all of these other people who aren't directly involved in the making of it. But like, they all bring such different approaches to it. And like it kept growing and growing and pushing and pushing in ways that I think if it was just me making my own music, I wouldn't have done it. Right. I wouldn't have brought it there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really happy that it did. And also, you know, like something I'm trying to do now is to ask, like, what are you going to do in color correction here? Like, mm. what's it going to look wow. like? Or like, what lens did you use here? Like, why did you make that mm -hmm. choice? Like trying to talk to the DP and be like, oh, because we really wanted it by swapping out this, we can really feel like getting that sort of like knowing the non-direct storytelling is like really, because that's my job. My job is to try to help mm -hmm. tell the story esoterically throughout the film. Like yeah. not, mm -hmm. and with this, we really didn't want it to be hand-holding. I think a lot uh, of sports movies yes, are very sure. hand-holding. Yep. And we had to do, you know, we couldn't like be completely experimental. We wanted to work within the framework, but we didn't want it to be like, like you said, like Rudy or right. big scoring. Yeah. No diss to Rudy yeah, like yeah. that no, it's, was it's effective yeah. for that film mm -hmm. at that time, but that film's 30 years old. And we yeah, didn't want to yeah. use 30 year old sports tropes yeah. um, for a 2022 sports film. In creative writing classes, we'd often have to do like, uh, imitative poems or imitative short stories. Mm -hmm. And it's like the best stuff because it forces you to have to try a different voice than what comes natural. And that that's really good for you. Definitely. It's kind of matches what we, when we did an episode on Romeo and Juliet, the 1996 one Radiohead was on there before yeah. they were Radiohead and they had to do exit movie for a film. And they said that put them in a mindset that led to okay computer. Wow. And you know, I don't know if they were already in that place or there, but I think when like Boz Lerman is telling you to do this and you're thinking of new things and they said it started to push them in it. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, these are great examples. I wonder if there's examples where it like ruined people's careers. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Probably not though. Oh wait, we have to ask our final. Oh, right. I don't know if we should do this without Jeremiah. So the, the podcast is called the, the perfect movie soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And the concept is where it keeps, we keep just changing the criteria, which was better, the movie or the soundtrack, or are they the perfect combination? They both need each other as much as the other needs 
the other. I can speak for Jeremiah and this. Let's go. The perfect, the perfect movie soundtrack. And I probably wouldn't bring this up if we didn't um, think that you struck out this time, but you showed a lot of potential. No, <laughs> no I really think Jeremiah's crazy directing and his vision of sports movie and then your sports movie music just really comes together. It's on, it's on our perfect movie soundtrack Thank list. You. you made the cast. Right, right. It's really amazing. We, we've been like geeking out about it and texting each other about it all yeah. week. Like looking forward to this. Thank you. Yeah. That, I really appreciate that. It really is it's great. great. Yep. All right, y'all, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Thanks so much for doing it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. It was a lot of fun, and we certainly learned a lot about um, how the sausage gets made, the inside baseball, the behind the scenes on this stuff we've been talking about, soundtracks and scores and movies and music. Yeah, pretty cool. And now we're going to jump to the other side of things. Get out from behind the camera, behind that uh, soundboard, and, and get back into the audience side of the movies with Matt and Heather and a conversation about our favorite sports movie, Needle Drops. Um, all right, you want to introduce the segment, Matt, since you coined it? Sure. So since we're talking about um, sports movies, and this is a soundtrack podcast, we were thinking... What is our favorite sports movie needle drop? Basically, when you're watching a sports movie and not the score, but a song, a pop song kicks in and you're feeling it high or low, it just works and um, you love it. And I'm sure everyone, everyone has one. So um, basically Rocky, the running up the steps does not work, right? Yes, but so Rocky, score. I think Gonna Fly Now is the score, um, does not count for this. But Rocky, Eye of the Tiger in Rocky 3 does count for this. Beautiful. So good, good example. Beautiful. <laughs> yes, perfect. Perfect example. Yep. So what's your sports movie needle drop? Is it worth noting that this was very difficult for you, Heather? Yeah. So uh, I, I think we've learned in the last few days that I haven't seen any sports movies yeah i'll admit like, when you said that you didn't really have one come to mind i was like yeah you know i mean you probably don't watch a lot no it's you really don't watch it's, any it's truly not let me offer a, a couple okay. that are i think perhaps have been the most shocking to people to learn that i've never seen yeah karate kid that's insane that's unbelievable <laughs> i mean if you were 20 i'd be like i guess okay but you're not you escaped that in the 80s somehow field of dreams that's more insane because Field of Dreams is like, you get, whether you love it, I was a fan, you just end up watching it with your parents at some point in your uh, life yeah. if you're around our generation. Bad News Bears. Oh my God. It's <laughs> so out on Walter, good. Walter Matthau. It's so good. White Men Can't Jump. All right, now. Yeah, now I mean, I think that there's probably a lot of people who haven't seen that one unless you're of a uh, very particular that age might be demographic. the best sports movie of the 90s. <laughs> wow. I, might, I, might try, I might try to make that case. Okay. Anyway, we could go on like this through literally hundreds of sports movies. <laughs> what about that, the old classics, like The Natural? Probably not. I don't even know what sport that's about. Oh my! Robert goodness. Redford when the lights blow up and he hits the, he hits the. It's very cinematic. No, it was based oh. on a Bernard, Bernard Malamud novel. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Does that make it baseball? Is yes, it, baseball? it is baseball. Yeah, it's baseball. <laughs> 
You've heard you said if Bernard Malamud, and I was like, it's got to be. If baseball. you heard the yeah, yeah. if you heard Good. the natural score, the music, you would at, you would know it one hundred percent. It plays at like okay. fireworks shows. It plays at mm. sports events. It's very. It's as iconic maybe. as like the Rocky music. Maybe we sh- we should play a little of it, maybe. Right. Okay. <laughs> cue the cue the natural. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, there are some sports movies I've discovered that I anticipated with like profound excitement. Oh, I'm excited. The number one among them is I, Tanya. Oh, wow, that's a, a curveball sports movie. That's, what a good pick. That is I a sports movie. It is. You're right. I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. I do too. It's great. I love Tanya Harding. I have always loved Tanya Harding. <laughs> I was, West I was, of you. <laughs> I was the perfect demographic yeah. to have opinions about Nancy and Tanya in 1991 <laughs> wow. through 94. I did take figure skating pretty seriously. Oh. Uh, did you do it? When I, yeah. Oh, uh, yes. I like I went through the first like, you know, I, half a Heather. dozen or so levels of the US uh figure skating what? like training. Oh, can we get some my. black karate black belt God. type stuff? Can we get some photographic evidence of some video? Oh, I'm, sh- I'm actually I'm sure that that exists. Oh, uh, but not awesome. not in the like uh not in the like glittery leotard things. Yeah, I was right. I, I was picturing I actually like super used 80s. It, I actually used it more as like off-season skiing training. Um, okay. at at the uh, Charleston, West Virginia Civic Center, all right. which had right. an indoor all-season rink. Nice. Quite so an athlete could... for not yeah, watching sports movies. I know. Movies. You're like, um, I was my own sports movie. I was on I was Olympic <laughs> path. I don't need to watch sports movies. <laughs> and I thought Tanya was amazing. I, I, I thought she was just absolutely stunning. I thought Nancy was a prissy, poppy <laughs> cunt, and I couldn't have Ooh, been less geez. interested in her. You could have been in Tanya's entourage. <laughs> and, yeah, you would have had and, the pipe. And I was, I was so devastated uh, when her hu- ex-husband like did this thing. Uh-huh. I, I just, I thought it was just so awful to watch her career come down. I have these very vivid memories of watching the 94 Lillehammer Olympics wow. uh, in my living room with my dad and like really praying for Tanya and wow, uh, incredible and, 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 awesome. and not prayers not being answered. Yeah. So when, so, you know, I think in like the last six to eight years, we've, we've had this, this sort of like resurgence of Tanya. We've allowed ourselves to, yes. to re-see these women of the nineties, yeah, like Monica point. Lewinsky. Yeah. Like we're Tanya. re-litigating a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Britney Spears. We, yep. Britney Spears. So that begins with Sarah Marshall writing this article about Tanya that really kind of like reimagines what we thought we understood about Tanya. And then that kind of sits dormant for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and the like pro Tanya contingent has to kind of you know, keep keep their own flame burning. Um, but then we get I Tanya, and it is just such a fantastic movie. Agree. Allison Janney and Margot Robbie are both absolutely show stopping stunners in every scene. And another fantastic thing about this movie is its soundtrack, which is actually really, really good. But there's one scene 
uh, in the like kind of like the kind of bridges act two and act three of the movie where uh, we get three solid minutes of Fleetwood Mac's The Chain. Oh, yes. I remember that. You're right. (laughs) Uninterrupted three minutes. And that. That's that montage uh, compresses all of the time between the uh, assault and sort of the breaking of the news that uh, we knew who had done it to the Olympics themselves. So in real time, that's like four to six weeks of time. Um, and the movie is is like, you know, they, they, they find this like really efficient way to condense all of that time in the storytelling. So in the three minutes while we're listening to The Chain, mm-hmm. we get everything from, it opens up with Tanya leaving her house and having to walk through the press gauntlet that's sort of clustered outside her front door. Um, and we get, we get that, we get uh, actual footage from people like Connie Chung and Ann Curry and Matt Lauer, like giving us like news anchor talking head uh, exposition about what's happening in the investigation. We get Jeff Galuli uh, and Sean Eckert's perp walks. We get uh, a scene in the courtroom where we learn about the outcome of Jeff Galuli's trial. We get a dash of Tanya practicing in the mall in Portland, Oregon, where she had always publicly practiced. Um, And we get a a quick moment of Allison Janney uh, having set up a a red velvet rope in in front of her own home where she made all the press stand behind. So we get like one more dose of Allison Janney being hilarious and amazing. Um, and, And then it concludes with this talking head moment from current current time Tanya if you'll remember this movie is like kind of a mockumentary yeah. right and there are these these moments where you get these uh, these, these sort of talking head from the from the, from the current time frame looking back on what happened in the 90s we get that Tanya and that's when she delivers this short but really meaningful monologue where she's like uh, I thought it was gonna be really fun to be famous it wasn't I was loved and then I was hated and then I was abused by all of you. That's that's pretty much what happened. Like you're all complicit in what took place here. And then we segue out of it and and into the into what happens at the Olympics. That is my sports movie needle. That's drum. a good one. I love it. That the chain has one of the greatest uh musical break breakdowns um in the world uh the uh the, when and it goes when, down to the bass and the drums yes oh my god and the moment when it goes down to the bass is yeah. jeff galuli in in an in a titty bar uh <laughs> in like an, an almost empty titty bar and telling us that he never paid the restitution that he was uh uh-huh. supposed to pay so they really like layer all of the emotions of what's happening alongside yeah, the sound yeah yeah the sounds of the song in a way that I just find really great. Also, the song is such a perfect pick. Like yes, it the is. lyrics are perfect. The pack, the fact that that song, maybe more than any other in the whole Fleetwood Mac catalog, is known as like if you want to see how these people's sexual mm. and romantic mm-hmm. relationships nearly destroyed this band, uh, look look no further than this song, which had to be right. patched together from all of their different contributions. One of the very few Fleetwood Mac songs where they're all credited as songwriters. Oh, cool. Um. Anyway, that's that's what I got yeah. for you guys. And it it's working on so many levels because you have the Tanya Harding resurgence, 
You have the Fleetwood Mac resurgence, mm-hmm. and then you have the '90s Scorsese resurgence. Right. This where is where yeah. it's like yeah. it's like his Layla from Goodfellas, but reinvented. Totally. That's right. In a completely different way and put through a different lens, and so it really works and pulls off something that if you told your friend you had a good idea for a scene, they might be like, oh, I don't know, it sounds crazy, but. I feel like that whole movie is kind of teetering on that edge, but it keeps pulling it off and it's worth seeing it if you haven't seen it. I think it's the... I'm a big fan. I see a lot of uh, younger directors who are, who are making their odes to Scorsese nowadays. And I thought and this is... a lot is, of this, them are bad. Yeah, they're not all great. Uh, or some this of is the good one. Some of them are so obvious, like uh, the movie Hustlers with J-Lo. Like, I was kind of yeah. laughing about it the whole time because I was just like, okay, Goodfellas scene four. They you host, know? They host yeah, lift it's whole bad. scenes and shots, yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily that bad. It's just so obvious. But I, Tanya, was one where I was like, this is... This is like an ode to Scorsese. It was so well done. I could see the yeah. Scorsese happening and also admiring the movie itself and just saying like, well, yeah. of course you love Scorsese. I do too, doesn't, you know? And they put the techniques to like subject matter he hasn't yes. really done yet. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Love it. What All about right. you, Matt? So my pick, um, this was actually the when we were talking about this, this was one of the first songs that popped into my mind. It's one of those childhood nostalgia picks, but... The plot of how this song came to be is a sports movie plot within itself. So I okay. uh, I definitely have to talk about this one. My pick is Joe Esposito's You're the Best from Karate Kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> 1984. I tell you what, when and, you said Joe Esposito, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I didn't. I, I was lost <laughs> yeah. at that point, but okay. He, he's not exactly Household the name. soundtrack giant that Kenny Loggins is or Whitney Houston, but... But he's got this one. And this is the part in the movie where Daniel, young Ralph Macchio, young kid out of Jersey, is in California trying to figure out life with a single mom. And Pat Morita plays Mr. Miyagi and takes him on as his kind of protege and teaches him karate to deal with some bullies in life. And Elizabeth Shue is there, who, you know, they each have a, I don't know if they're kind of in a relationship or they have a crush or I don't know if they're boyfriend and girlfriend yet. And he's been training most of the movie. And now he's going to the big karate tournament. And he's so nervous and he's hopping around and then he wins his very first round. You have to win a bunch of matches and mm-hmm. move on to the next round. And he like karate chops a kid neck, kid's neck and gets the final point. And um, Elizabeth Chu actually yells, you're the best. You're the best, kid. <laughs> and then the song kicks in. You're the best. All right. No, and I'm sure we'll play I wonder it. if it said that and in the script. It says, it says you know, Elizabeth Chu, you're the best. And then know. underneath song, you're the best. It's so funny. Someone, some director yeah. had a brilliant moment was like, just say the song we're about to cut to. Yeah. And then they show a montage of him making his way, you know, to the final round of the tournament. And it's such a great 80s sports song. Yeah. The lyrics are just, you're the best around. No one's ever going to get you down. And he repeats that 500 <laughs> times. Uh-huh. And the background's cool. And sometimes they like, will match it up with like a cool karate hit and point he gets. And it's wonderful. And right. it plays in my head. I, I blast it every time before we do a podcast to get myself hyped looking in the mirror. <laughs> um, but it's definitely an earworm that gets stuck in your head. So I was reading about it, and here's the sports movie plot of this song. 
It was written by a songwriting team, uh, Bill Conti and Ali Willis, and performed by Joe Esposito. But it was originally supposed to be the song for Rocky Three. Oh wow! And then interesting. They decided to go with a little song you might have heard of called Eye of the Tiger instead. I think that's a good call by Obviously, Rocky. that became the most iconic <laughs> yeah, sports movie yeah. moment in the world ever. And poor Joe Esposito had to wait his turn. The song was also supposed to be in the movie Fame. Oh my God. Talk about, I mean, never uh, made it. Nine lives of this song. I mean, it is <laughs> exactly. huge. I mean, Karate Kid, good Lord. This, this is huge. Fame, strike one, Rocky three, strike two. Yeah, you think you're just like, God, my luck couldn't be worse. Exactly. But the next pitch is coming down the lane for Joe Esposito. He gets it with this ralph macchio karate movie which i'm sure he wasn't that uh, yeah, excited he must have been about like man i was gonna do fame i was gonna do rocky now i gotta do some exactly. some 25 year old is pretending to be a 15 year old wimp in you know <laughs> and in a karate a kid's karate movie but you know that the residuals on that oh for sure are so much higher than they would have i mean certainly than they would have been for fame, fame. yeah Maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, because then Maybe, yeah. the movie blows up, yeah. becomes this huge hit, becomes this cultural moment, and he has a sports movie ending, and he's the best around. No one's going to keep him down. So the song itself That's great. Is, a true, is a true victory, so I, I had to go with it. Maybe I'll watch Karate Kid. It's fun. <laughs> a, a very brief personal story. The Karate Kid, I was the... I couldn't have been more the perfect age for it. It was the greatest thing oh, yeah. I had ever seen. I mean, it blew my mind. And then <laughs> Karate Kid 2 is coming out. And um, it's probably the first time I ever made plans to see a movie like if this is my own plans. Like, I know I'm, go I'm going up to the Castle Linda movie theater on my bike with my best friend, Greg York. <laughs> and we are seeing Karate Kid 2 yes. opening day. We've got permission from our parents. It is just going to be the greatest thing ever. That day... Um, we're hanging out at the local park, which was a sort of a city run thing. We're not just running loose. There's like, um, teenagers who are sort of in charge of the whole event there. And our friend Jay Crump brings firecrackers up there. So me, Greg and Jay start lighting off these firecrackers. And one of the team <laughs> leaders of the place is like, guys, I wouldn't be doing that if I were you, but he doesn't stop us necessarily. Cause he's, you know, in hindsight, he's like some 16 year old. We I feel do like it. this story's going to end up with a dead body on it's, the tracks in the woods. <laughs> it felt like that at the time. This is standby, Somebody calls it? the cops. Yeah, Somebody yeah. calls the cops on us. And these cops oh, no. are dicks. Like they come. <laughs> so they come. We run into the woods. We How run old are hide. you guys again? Oh, my God. Well, um, I'd have to look it up to see what year karate could tame out. But if I, like I was going to guess, I'm going mean, to guess, I'm going to say we were like 11 that's a that's okay. a guess just based on my my mentality at the time um and uh because we were very young and the cops they call the cops on us and we run into the woods but um we're we're scared you know the cops are like yelling into the woods like get out here <laughs> and so me and uh, me and greg give ourselves up quick like we're crying we get, we climb out of the woods which in hindsight i was like why did oh, wait we it was 86 so you were younger 86 maybe. no i was uh i was so i was 11 or 12 okay and perfect. um they uh and we're crying and and then they're like get your other friend out here and uh we scream for jay jay come on come on they, they're not gonna do anything they, you know whatever finally jay comes out and the cops are like we're taking you to juvenile we're taking you to juvie do you know what oh happens to kids in juvie yeah i know right and at the, we're crying it's our world oh is over God. right and 
and and the whole time I'm like, I'm supposed to be going to Karate Kid too. <laughs> and um, they're gonna take us to juvie. We're, the whole thing. We're gonna, you know, we're, you know, we're we're making plans to punch the biggest guy there as soon as we get in. Right? This is what you're supposed to do. No, we're not really doing that. We're too, we're too busy crying. And um, then they, 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 in talking to us, they realize that Jay's dad is a cop. So they're like, okay, we'll do this. We'll call Jay's dad. So they call Jay's dad, which, you know, is better than freaking Juvie. So Jay's, oh, yeah, for sure. Jay's dad comes and, uh, you know, I, I don't remember. Jay whips out his PBA card. I don't remember if he's yeah. in the cruise or not. <laughs> Jay's not happy about this. His dad is not going to be. Jay probably would have preferred Juvie. And we. we uh, All you were doing was lighting some firecrackers? Yeah, I know. Can you believe Jesus. this? I know. And it's not like That's we were like in out my window area. every It's day not like we were in the in woods in California or something. It wasn't like a dry area. <laughs> You know, we're not going to start a forest fire. And um, anyway, so wasn't a gender reveal. Party. It was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, the cop um, tanned us over to Jay's dad. Jay's dad. Uh, so Jay, th- they were fireworks that Jay brought got from his house. So Jay's dad feels a little complicit in this. He drives us all to his house gets out takes it's taking jay inside and tells greg and i i you go home and you tell your parents about this and then they go inside and we're standing out in the lawn we kind of don't know what to do and then a couple seconds later we start hearing the the you know the paddling the beating the the, sh- oh the crying God. whatever yeah. whatever was going on inside i don't know but um so we're just like well jesus christ so we leave and then we kind of walk around and we're like we got to tell our parents we got to tell our pet karate kid too. We got to tell our pet karate kid too. We got to tell our parents, but karate <laughs> is such a dramatic story. We'll tell them tomorrow. Okay. So we're going to tell them tomorrow and we're just hoping Jay's dad doesn't call. He doesn't. We go see karate kid Two. <laughs> karate kid Two. I, w- I don't want to spoil karate kid for you because you're going to see it someday, Heather. And, and it's going to be very exciting for you. Karate kid two begins the, like two minutes after Karate Kid One ends, so okay. you're immediately. And I thought it was the coolest way I'd ever seen a movie <laughs> open. It begins right where you've your whole emotional being just was. <laughs> you go right back there to that spot, and I just remember thinking like, th- "This is the greatest movie I've ever seen." Yeah. And thank God I didn't tell. Movies? Yeah. Thank God I didn't tell my parents, and I'm going to tell them tomorrow. This was totally worth it. And tomorrow came, we didn't tell them. The next day came, we didn't tell them. I think I told them when I was like 30 or something like that <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the big hit from karate kid 2 uh glory of love right yep by yeah. peter satara yeah, yeah. his first huge hit after he left chicago i hap- i think about that song a lot when it's because it's like i am a man who will fight for knight. your honor i am the knight the knight who will, who will fight, fight for you. okay that's for it your, uh, i think about that when i do like something really like small and completely <laughs> me- uh, mediocre for my wife like you know oh my god i've sung this to emily before too pull out a chair for her or something just because it's convenient or something like that mm-hmm. and i just and, and like in my head i'm like i am a knight who i think i probably sing it out loud sometimes oh yeah i've actually maybe it's a people of our i've done this to my wife before too and then at the end is great because the refrain is we did it all for the glory of love yeah you're like giving her a cup of coffee exactly exactly <laughs> we got, we got so some good. bad same husband moves oh, i love it i love it we are we're a- i mean on the other side when the coffee comes every morning i really do think to myself i could put up with a lot of shit just to make sure this never ends all right you guys want to hear my song my pick so originally I had originally thought about the um, there's a Randy Newman song that opens Major League that is about oh. like this pitiful oh, city of Cleveland one. and the the, yeah. the fire on the river and I was gonna pick that but it doesn't really count it's 
it's not really a needle drop. It is such an emotionally resonant way to start a movie about a bunch of losers. I couldn't love it more. <laughs> I, it, it almost feels like favorite, a different movie. It's one of my favorite openings. Um, whenever when Cleveland does well in the in the baseball playoffs, I'll crank that song. Like it gets me hyped, even though that's not the intent. So I thought, no, I gotta <laughs> I gotta find something that's actually about getting hyped. So. I started thinking about what scenes in movies have gotten me the most hyped. I realized the answer to that is probably the movie Friday Night Lights. And have you have you both seen the movie? Only I haven't the seen the movie. Okay. Yeah, okay. Only the, the, the movie is very good. I mean, it's the same director, a lot of the same actors. Um, it's good. Billy Bob Thornton plays the coach, which is very different than Coach Taylor, but but he's very good in it. Um, Tim McGraw it plays an alcoholic dad in it. Yeah, Tim McGraw's yeah, yeah. in yeah. it. It's a good movie, and um, noted. The so in the movie, as you may guess if you've seen the show, Odessa is the is the feature of the movie. Odessa Permian High School, and the sort of ragtag bunch of kids that go to school there. You know, these are the kids of um of wildcatters and roughnecks, and like mm-hmm. you know, this is mm-hmm. way out in West Texas. Luckily, enough people have seen the show. I don't need to get too far into it. The movie's the same setup. It's basically a bunch of kids who are being pushed to the absolute limit of their athletic possibilities. Like they're not Mm -hmm. necessarily the best athletes. They're not necessarily like, like going to even really necessarily play that much in college and stuff. But this school, the only thing that their lives, the only purpose in their lives is to play football. And that's, that's like a sort of a criticism of the book Friday night lights is that once these kids graduate from high school or get injured, their lives are over. They will always be remembered for being what they were at 17 and they will no one will ever care about them for anything other than that. It's very sad. But yeah. in the movie, of course, you start your rooting for them. And in the movie, they make it to state. This is a little bit of a historical inaccuracy they had to do for dramatic po- purposes. The, the actual real game is a semifinal game that they're going to play against. And this part is historically accurate. They're going to play against Dallas Carter, the Carter Cowboys. The Carter Cowboys are often referred to as the greatest high school football team that has ever been compiled. This is true. Um, <laughs> I believe you. Uh, you are a reliable narrator this is, of this content. <laughs> they were such a big deal. This game takes place in 1988. I remember the Carter Cowboys. Everybody remembers the Carter Cowboys. Let me show you this screen here. This is notable alumni from Dallas Carter. Um, high school and if you look at this little list here i mean just look american football american football american football american football american football football. i mean most of the people on this (laughs) and also shikari uh who is that a track and field sprinter okay i don't know she's the she's the she's the olympic sprinter who was pulled out from the summer olympics this year because she smoked weed oh oh, right 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 Mm -hmm. so yeah so basketball players track and field football 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 this is a powerhouse school. This school produces athletes. And um, so very different than Odessa Permian in that way, because Odessa Permian creates great football teams, not necessarily the greatest athletes. And so now they're Ted Lasso style, one might say, uh, perhaps. <laughs> Another thing to know about Carter is Carter does actually in real life win the state championship that year. And two years later, they have that title stripped from them because the main reason is because one of the students, one of the key players had um, failed algebra two and they changed his grade to let him play. 
Also, in 1989, six of the players got caught for a series of armed robberies, and most of them ended up in prison for 15 to 20 years. Several of them were already accepted for full rides at Division I colleges. Almost all of them, people were saying, if there wasn't, if, if football, you could go straight from high school to the NFL, many of these players would have gone straight to the NFL. They're monsters. They're huge. They're tough. They're athletic. They're the greatest fo- high school football team ever compiled, according to many. This they go on to win state. Such a buildup for this needle drop. Right. This better, so this better <laughs> knock the reason out of I'm my saying chair. this all is because better fall I, out the window. is because I know all this sitting in this movie. But at okay. this point in the movie, right. I'm rooting for Odessa because you know you've 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 come to root for these guys. You've come to like these guys, mm-hmm. and I don't really remember what happens in these games. And it doesn't matter that there's some historical inaccuracies because I don't remember all the technical details. So the movie itself has been playing mostly a mixture of the kind of music that people would listen to. So like if you're in somebody's home and the character's like black, you know, then may, maybe like a rap song. You know, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of like country music kind of playing. But the main score is Explosions in the Sky, which is score not soundtrack because it's instrumental guitar music, the same stuff that plays in the TV series the whole way. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to the game. And we get a completely different song for this. And I'm going to show the scene here because I think that so- part of it makes good uh, pod in that they, there's a little bit of announcing going on during the music. So, so you'll be able to even hear some of the excitement and the buildup and the editing that's going on. I won't play the whole thing because then it just kind of turns it over to the music. But what you see is you see them arriving at the stadium, them going into the tunnel, them going out to this you know huge game. And then you're introduced to the Carter players too, which are just these very, very large men who are going to absolutely kill them and that's sort of what you're set up for and what you're excited about because maybe odessa could win this what if they could win this (laughs) and the band is this band that i don't know very well um this band refused it's different because it's very aggressive punk rock there's a little bit of a fugazi-ish vibe to it but maybe it's a little bit harder than that and it's just unlike any music that had played the whole movie and so it's jarring and exciting Mojo has come to Houston. This is the Astrodome, the eighth wonder of the world, and today it's going to be Odessa Permian versus Dallas Carter. This is a moment these kids have been looking for their whole life. They started playing as eight-year-olds in the Pop Warner fields of Odessa or in Dallas. They dreamed of the state championship, laying in bed late at night, dreaming of their chance to bring home the title for their town, for their team, for their school. Folks, you better lock your doors, turn up the radio, strap yourself in. We've got East Texas versus Walking West down the Texas. Tunnel. We've got Texas high school football at its finest. No doubt, this crowd is jacked. This is going to be an all-out war. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, you want to see this in the theater. Oh my fucking god. Oh, I like Billy Bob's hair. He's really good in it. Oh, that those cheerleaders are also not fucking around. No, no, it's serious stuff, man. This is Texas <laughs> they look like real cheerleaders ties. too. Not movie yeah, they're like basically Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Yeah. <laughs> That's no joke, Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you're in the theater, right, it's and it's so loud and cranked yes. up, that must be super. So that, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I also realized about this is that like I like I wouldn't like listen to that song. I don't even really know much about this band. I read a little bit about them for this, but um, you know, I'm not jamming. I don't listen to music like that um, on my own. Um, but you know, it's like the theater and the music's up loud, and you know, it's like it's so exciting in a moment like that. Um, 
And that's what Judgment yeah. Night, the movie, could have done more of. <laughs> that is a huge point. Aww, and it doesn't right. do the sports movie swell. <laughs> it does like a little build up. There's the break. Yeah. And then it kicks yeah. in and it's louder than so you expect. Hard. Yeah. And it's they're looking for the most like badass aggressive music in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's there's no music anywhere else in the movie like that. So it's jarring. It's like, oh shit, it is on. And then the game takes the rest of the movie. It's a it's a big, it's a big exciting game. Um so yeah. Joshua went with Texas. I went with the Jersey kid. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. And Heather went <laughs> with, with uh, the um young the young pissed off. The epitome of 90s white trash. Okay. I was I was resisting <laughs> pigeonholing. <laughs> I literally was resisting saying something very similar to that. Yeah, I was like... The, I, was, <laughs> I mean, we're simple people. We, we, have, our, we have our tastes. Yeah, it makes we've sense. We've, we've, all three of us have educated yes. ourselves to a place of curiosity about others, and yet we, we remain... Yep. the people that we are right yeah just simple people doing deep analytical deep dives into non-diegetic cinema. <laughs> uh, um yeah so that's that's our there's our sports movie needle drops um guys this was super cool. fun it was yeah it was it was nice boom all right, Joshua here one last time to thank you for listening. If you are new to the podcast, if you found your way to us through being a fan of Hustle or Jeremiah or Dan or basketball, welcome. We've got a new episode every two weeks where we each pick a movie and we talk about the movie and the soundtrack and we consider how well they go together or how well they don't go together and try to decide if it is in fact the perfect movie soundtrack. We got a bunch of great episodes we've done so far. If you're interested in Pretty in Pink or Big Chill or Pulp Fiction or Baby Driver, Romeo and Juliet, all sorts of things. And we got a bunch more coming next Tuesday. Jimmy Cliff's The Harder They Come. We'd love to hear from you on the socials, Twitter, Instagram at TPMS Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or maybe you've been around since the beginning, we'd love to hear from you. For Matt and Heather, this is Joshua, and we'll see you soon.